The reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, and it is verses 3 uh, through to verse 9. Peter is writing to those who are exiled. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we want to praise and thank you that we're able to be here today. We thank you for the richness of fellowship. We thank you that we can identify together in the glorious gospel and that already we have been learning from each other, encouraged by what we've heard and helping each other in that which we are doing. But we thank you too that we identify in your word and we ask you now that you'll bless that which is brought to us. Pray for Steve. We pray that you'll help him as he shares with us. And that uh, as we break for lunch uh, later on, we will go uh, to that with a sense again of who you are and what you are to us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. I heard a story this week of a man called Mr. Clark, and unfortunately, Mr. Clark got cancer, quite severe cancer, and he was in the hospital for weeks leading up to his death and had to have nurses caring for him all the time. There was one particular nurse that cared for him for the first time one morning, and after she'd cared for him, she went to the notes at the bottom of the bed, and she wrote on the notes, today, Mr. Clark is inappropriately joyful. Mr. Clark was a Christian man. It reminded me of a story called, uh, of a man called Ron Martin, who was one of the original elders of the church that my wife and I and a team of people went to replant in Liverpool. Ron died at, at 90, 96, and three weeks leading up to his death, he was in, in the hospital. And I go and visit him regularly, myself and other elders from the church, and every time you go there, he'd want to listen to hymns being sung, he'd want to read the Psalms, he'd want to talk about the wonders of what he'd experienced through his life. And I remember and I recall speaking to a doctor after he'd met with Ron, walked back and he said this, I have never seen a man die like this. What was it that Mr. Clark and Ron Martin, what was it that they were rejoicing in at the point of death? What is it that Peter says to the churches in Asia Minor in verse 6, in this you rejoice? Brothers and sisters, what is it that we need to be reminded of today after months of hardship, pain, 
tiredness, and the relentless ever hostility that we are facing and will face from a culture and a world that is not our home is this. We have been born again to a living hope. Amen? Amen. But it's not a hope that is foundationless. It's not a hope that promises much and offers little. And it's not a hope that is blind to the reality of our existence. No, we rejoice in a living hope that is anchored in a glorious past. You see that there? Verse 3. That we have this living hope according to the great mercy of God. When you read verses 1 and 2, you see there that the, it is the, because the foreknowledge of God, His sovereign choice before the foundation of the world, God the Father in His great mercy set His affection on you. Set His affection on me. And it's through the work of the Spirit who opens up our eyes to see the wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we see that it is Jesus Christ that stepped in to the brokenness to put right what was wrong between humanity and God through the death and the sprinkling of his blood, all according to his great mercy. And because of that, we have been given, it tells us there, new birth. Because Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, triumphant over sin, death, hell, and the grave. Do you see that? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The hope that we have is anchored in the truth that Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. He's alive. And that rising from the dead is something that occurred in the past. And folks, we know that that hope, even in the midst of all the other hopes in the world that we are living in, that are vying for us to put their trust in, is not baseless, but it is grounded and secured because Jesus has risen from the dead. We know for 1 Corinthians, Paul says, if there is no resurrection, we of all people are most to be pitied. See, one of the reasons Mr. Clark and Ron Martin were able to rejoice is because they knew it was not the end for them. Because Jesus, in the past, has been risen from the dead, is now alive forevermore. And we, those of us who know the Lord Jesus, which I'm hoping to all of us at this conference, we have been removed from the realm of hopelessness into a living hope because of the mercy and the grace of God and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. None of us who name the name of Christ are to live without hope because we've been born again to a, new, a living hope that is anchored in the past. But Mr. Clark and Ron Martin and we ourselves are able to rejoice because this living hope anticipates, not only anticipates, promises a glorious future. See, we rejoice in a living hope that not only anticipates, but it promises an inheritance. And this inheritance is not like any other inheritance that you may receive, or maybe you are quietly looking forward to receive. No, this is an inheritance that it tells us there that is imperishable. It is undefiled, it is unfading, and it is kept for you. And God is guarding your faith through it, so therefore you will get there. You will get there. See, the question is, what is this inheritance? 
I was born into a family that didn't have much. We, 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 my, all my family from a place in Liverpool called the Dingle, which is quite a poor area of Liverpool. And uh, during a time of my dad had to lose his job. So we didn't have much financially. However, I married into a family that does have much. So any inheritance that I'm going to be getting is from that end of the bargain. And I tell you this, and I've confessed this, the amount of times that I have nearly fallen to the temptation to get online and have a look to see what that inheritance is going to be. See, what we know from Scripture, and you know your Bibles, what we know that as you look through the Old Testament, the inheritance that were mentioned to the people of God and spoken about to the people of God, it was always in relation to a promised land. It was always in relation to a land that was flowing with milk and honey, a home, a place of security where God in the midst and his people rejoicing around him, God in the midst and people enjoying his presence, a physical land. And folks, can I say this? That is the same for us. You read the second letter that Peter writes, and in chapter 3, what does he say? We are all awaiting a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. See, Mr. Clark and Ron Martin and all of us can rejoice in the fact that this inheritance that is undefiled, kept in heaven for every single one of us is the fullness of a new creation, the fullness of a new world, a fullness of a real home that has no pain, that has no suffering, where righteousness dwells and it reigns. And there's not a person in this room that doesn't want that. There's not a person in the churches that you lead and you work amongst that doesn't want that. This is the glorious future. A glorious new creation with Jesus at the center, wiping every tear, answering every question, making all things new. A world where there is no pain, no suffering, no fear, no doubt, no struggle, no death with people from every tribe, tongue, nation, class, color, accent. Yes, Scousers will be there. And yes, by the grace of God, Mancunians will be there. And together we will be singing and praising with the whole of the heavenly cosmos. Holy, holy, holy. Worthy, worthy, worthy as Jesus stands in all his glory and we with him reign. This is the glorious future. See, we rejoice in knowing we have a living hope because we have a living Savior. And he will come again and he will give us our citizenship in all its fullness in a new living creation. Folks, as I get older, I'm only 43. And for some of you, it's only. For some of you, is that all? But I'm 43 years of age. And as I get older, the reality of the brokenness of the world becomes heavier. And the living hope of knowing that there will be a new creation of which I will be part of with Jesus in the midst becomes ever more sweeter. See, we rejoice because we have a living hope that anticipates, that promises a glorious future. But it is this living hope that is anchored in the glorious past and anticipates and promises a glorious future that is also active in the reality of the present. See there, verse 6, Peter says this. 
In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. It is this living hope that you rejoice in whilst you walk through the reality of this world that is not your home, which is often characterized and experienced by various trials. See, the reason why human psyche needs hope and reason to live is that we have an ingrained desire for something more than this. See, Ron Martin was able to die the way that he died. The reason why the doctor was able to say, I've never seen a man die like this. Why? Because it was the living hope of this new inheritance that enabled him to live into death. See, it's this hope that helps us move forward. I don't know about you, but I love the fact that the gospel is earthy. You know what I mean by that? It's real. I love that the fact that the Bible is real about life. And even though at times we may preach it and present it, and even at times maybe, sometimes we may even avoid to put it in banging the reality of our situations, it is earthy, it is real about reality. And no preach regarding the glorious future of the church should ever be preached unless it's grounded in the reality of the present. See, the glorious future is a living hope for me because of the brokenness I am experiencing today. Why do I feel brokenness? Yes, because of the brokenness of the world, but because this place is not my home. It's not my home. I was in South Wales over the weekend I had a wonderful time. I was able to negotiate the differences of how we spoke English together. But very quickly I realized it wasn't my home. And I look forward to come home. See, this is not our home. This is not our world. Because being God's chosen people set apart to display his glory, to live in such a way as sojourners, as exiles, will face trials. Trials will come to God's people. Hostility is to be expected because the one of which we as the church are built upon and our ministries are built upon is an offense and an insignificance to the people of our culture. See, trials will come, yes, through the brokenness of the world, yes, through the hostility, but Peter says this, these trials are only for a little while, verse 6. I'm telling you, Mr. Clark and Ron Martin knew what Peter meant when he said, a little while. He knew what it meant. And these trials, folks, sit under the sovereignty of God that are not wasted by him because through them he shapes us to be the treasured people that we are. And through them we cling on to him and the hope of the gospel that is anchored in the past and promises a glorious future, and as his people, as his church, we live lives that are inappropriately joyful. See, the glorious future of our inheritance shapes how we limp along in the reality of the brokenness. And we limp along with an inappropriate and inexpressible joy. And I don't want to undermine the name of this conference, but there is nothing normal about that to this culture and this world. My eldest daughter's not well. She's got lots of health problems. 
Found out when she was seven years of age that she had a tumor in her spinal cord, and as a result of that, she's had numerous treatments and numerous operations, and has a life ahead of her of disability. And for about 16 years, Sean and I have been praying for one of her colleagues, Sean's a teacher, my wife, and we were praying for one of her colleagues called Nikki for years. And Nikki was the type of person that always brought the blocker, if there is a God, how does he let things like this happen to children? And then the only Christian that she knew had something happen to her child. Throughout all that and throughout all of this, one of the things that Sean and I keep at the forefront of our minds and our hearts is the living hope of a promised inheritance where there is no pain and there is no suffering. It is that that helps us parents. It is that that helps us move through. And with Sean in particular, that shone through amidst the tears, amidst the pain with her friend, Nikki. And four months ago, Sean baptized Nikki. You see an inappropriate joy that flows from a living hope that is anchored in the past and anticipates a glorious future is seen by others. It's seen by those who are ignorant to the truth of who Jesus is, but when they see God's people living in the way that they are called to live with an inappropriate joy that comes from being grounded in the living hope and an inheritance that it is to come, people see. And folks, the reality is this, even in the midst of our situations where are, are at times in the midst of the trial of the hostility that we may be experiencing or the trial of the brokenness or the trial of the difficulty of relationships, sometimes our faces are on the floor, but we are able to walk through it because verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. Sometimes we can't even express it and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The reality of our living hope, folks, is not that we are happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. The reality of our living hope with, with that is anchored in the past, that anticipates and promises a future, that is active in the reality of the presence, that at times it is that joy that is still there even though we can't express it, that is obtaining the outcome of faith, the salvation of our souls. So what do we do with this? We have, didn't have it read for us, but verse 13, I think, is an exhortation. Therefore, therefore, prepare our minds for action. Gather up your loins. Get yourself ready. This is our reality. Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded about the truth of the gospel, which is a wonderful place to be. Be sober-minded about ourselves in the midst of that. Be sober-minded about our reality and be sober-minded about the future, which is glorious. And then set our hope fully on the grace to come. In our lives, in our ministries, let us put all our eggs in the basket of living hope that is anchored in the past. Anticipates a future and is active in our reality. Because there is a day coming soon when the sun will appear and the clouds will be driven away and the mysteries of life will then all be made clear and we will rest in the judgment and the glory of that day. What you do when you're down, what you do when you're sad, what you do when you're breaking inside. When there are dark clouds all day and you can't seem to pray and you just want to run and you just want to hide. 
folks, because of the living hope that is found in Jesus Christ that is secured and promised for us, that inheritance, let us believe. Let us believe even when we cannot see. See, you believe in the sun when it doesn't shine. You believe in the songs when they don't rhyme. So believe in your God and rest in his love because he is too wise to act as a fool. He is too kind to do anything cruel and he is too great to make a mistake. We, like Mr. Clark and Ron Martin, can rejoice because we have been born again to a living hope that is anchored in the past, anticipates a future, and is active for us today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the wonder of the gospel. And even though at times we feel that we don't see him, we love him. At times we struggle to believe, we believe in him. And we praise and thank you that you are God in our hearts and our faith, and that we will get there. Be with my brothers and sisters, bless them. Help us to rejoice in that glory and that future. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this resource from FIEC. For more resources for church leaders, subscribe to this podcast on your favourite podcast app and visit our website at fiec.org.uk.